So I'm going to say something, and it's it's going to piss you off. And you're not going to do the rest of the show. Jesus Christ! Let's uh, let's start the show that way. This is good. I saw your um. I think you should leave on my flight back from LA. Yeah, that shit sucks. It's trash, bro. What? Like, two episodes sounds good. What episodes did you watch? The first two, and I was good after that. A season one. Yeah. Season one's not that good, and I've admitted that. Season two, I mean, you can tell. Like, if you Google that show. There really wasn't a whole lot written about it in 2019. But after season two dropped, I mean, everybody, the New Yorker, New York Times, like everybody who pays attention to pop culture is like, this is the most memeable show of 2021. Don't worry. The best show of 2022 is this one. New York Times is going to get on board. Let's start the show. What up, what up, what up? You know what time it is. You know what show it is. Jason Spells in New York City. Brandon Edler and LA. If they don't know, remind them what they're listening to, B. You guys are listening to what you heard. Week three of the National Football League is upon us. Uh, man, uh, no primetime game has sucked. That's, what's, that's my main takeaway of the first two weeks. Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Enjoyed all of them. But the, the second biggest thing that shocked me, and, you know, where are we in the sports world if we don't overreact after a small sample size? The fact that three teams in the NFC West are undefeated. San Francisco, L.A., Arizona, all undefeated, 2-0. and That blows my mind. Right, and I saw something today, too. The Rams are playing the Bucks this weekend. Yeah, so then that'll be an undefeated game. If the Rams win and Arizona wins this week, they'll be playing each other at 3-0 and next week. And if the Panthers beat the trash Houston Texans, who are without Tyra Taylor on Thursday night, my Carolina Panthers will be 3-0. Say it with me now. 3-0 Carolina Panthers. 3-0 Carolina Panthers. I don't think anybody thought they'd be hearing that after Sam Darnold got traded over there. Hey, look, man. Completely shocked. Like, once again, of the five undefeated teams in the NFC, three of the NFC West, the other, a reigning Super Bowl champion, Carolina Panthers. San Francisco, right? Like, what's going to happen with um, Lance and with Garoppolo? Looks like they're just fine. Jimmy G started. Mm-hmm. L.A. Rams, they got Matt Stafford, right? Is this Matt Stafford from Detroit? Like, the Matt Stafford, everybody expects to lose. Clearly, we wrong on that. And Arizona, right? Like, Kyler. Um, they got who, – who do they sign a wide receiver in the offseason? I got to look that up. But obviously – Wide receiver, they got A.J. Green over from exactly. Cincinnati. But they also have this rookie um, – I've never said his first name before, is it? It's, it's kind of spelled like Ronaldo, Ronaldo. I, I don't even, I can't remember. His last name's Moore, but he's a rookie. I think they drafted him late in the second round. And everything that I've been hearing about that is him and Kyler have like the biggest BFF relationship in the world. So if you're into fantasy, I know he was one of the biggest pickups this week, but if nobody's grabbed him yet in your league, grab his ass right away. Uh, Rondell Moore out of Purdue. Yeah. So the little yep. Midwest yeah. ties. Um, he has 11 receptions for 182 yards, one touchdown. D-Hop has the most touchdowns. But the, the Arizona team is what shocks me, right? Like, I'm, I'm completely blown away by the fact they started the season um, 2-0. Yeah, I'm not. I feel like the – Tennessee was – I, I didn't think that – I mean, that was a close game in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That was the one I thought they would lose. And Tennessee, to be honest. I expected more from Tennessee. I think they're still kind of getting their footing a little bit. But Arizona – I'm not surprised by any of this. I swear we talked about it on tape, but, you know, I'd mentioned they got J.J. Watt. Obviously, they have Chandler Jones. Like, their defense is very stacked. That offense felt like it was primed to kind of take a step level up. 
I, you know, I don't think they're going to end the season 13 and four or 12 and five or anything like that, but they're going to be dangerous. Even if they go nine and eight, you know, sneak into the playoffs or 10 and seven, whatever, sneak in the playoffs, they're going to give whatever seed they have a problem because of that offense and defense. Every game, they're going to be in the game just for that reason. Yeah, it's looking like, I mean, the NFC West is going to put two, maybe three teams into the playoffs. Once again, yeah. this is a complete overreaction because we have nothing else to talk about two weeks into the season. But it's looking like that will be the toughest division in the right. NFC. Yeah, the West is stacked. Yeah, that's that's a lot of fun to watch. That being said, switch it to, switch it to the AFC. AFC North, every team is one and one. So the NFL prides itself on being a meritocracy, right? Like 500 is kind of where every team is. Mm-hmm. And the AFC North is a prime example of that. Um, Cleveland, let's be honest, they were, you know, interception away from beating Kansas City. So we have that. Mm-hmm. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers, I'm shocked about Vegas. That's still one of the biggest shocks in AFC that the Raiders are 2-0. But Pittsburgh, tough loss there. Ben is injured, so we don't know how they're going to be going forward. Um, and we saw Lamar get the get the Kansas City monkey off his back when after a slow start too to have the perseverance two to picks in the, fir- game two the, picks in the first yeah. quarter. Look, I, for me, I just want to see the Bucks and the Rams game. That's like the one that I'm looking forward to the most. I think that's going to be a fun game. And shame on you, man. I told you a couple episodes ago when we first started talking about the NFL that Matthew Stafford's not that bad of a quarterback. You know, shout out to our boy Lucas who you met when you came to LA a couple of weeks ago. I don't know what's up with you guys just like hammering down on guys that are above average quarterbacks. Like, you know, no, nobody's trying to say that they're MVP, MVP caliber guys, but guys like Stafford, guys like Baker, like you got to put some respect on their name. Derek Carr, they're all very serviceable quarterbacks as long as they don't try and do too much. And Baker showed that in that interception that you're speaking to. He tried to do too much, but when he just let the game come to him, same with Stafford, Carr, there's a lot more good quarterbacks out there than people give credit for. First off, respect is earned. Matthew Stafford did not a damn thing in 12 seasons in Detroit. He didn't do a damn thing in Detroit? I disagree with that, man. He, Man, him and Megatron were a beautiful thing, and they literally – it felt like two against 11 when they were on the field together. Best season they had was 2014-11-6. They only had two double-digit win seasons, 2014 and 2011 when they were 10, 6, and 0. But Once look again, at their roster. What the hell look at he their do roster. Some respect look at their roster throughout that whole period. They've never had a squad that you've ever looked at and been like, oh, yeah, they're taking Aaron Rodgers and the Packers down. Every other year was like, what's up with the Bears defense? What's up with Minnesota? Even just being kind of like somewhat depleted with their roster, those two teams still look better than the Lions roster to roster in the last 15 years. Like, Lions have just, you know, they're basically the Cleveland Browns of the NFC. Look, man, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just not saying I'm uh, I'm going to be old Matthew Stafford. This is the X factor that puts the Rams in the Super Bowl. Hell no. He plays opposite of Aaron Donald. Let's give yeah. respect to the defense. He's got Jalen Ramsey. Let's they're, give respect yeah. to the defense. Matthew they're Stafford not a has Super a strong Bowl. arm. That's fantastic. Is Matthew Stafford Super Bowl caliber quarterback? Said no one never. And we're not about to start that tonight. Bro, you but, can start it, look, but you are there on that island by your damn self. I'm, I, I'm not, I'm not putting a bet down in Vegas tomorrow that the Rams are going to the Super Bowl. Oh, you ain't gotta go to Vegas. But, you can do that from your cell phone player. But the we NGM. both, I can't. Oh, in California, I can't do it. Won't allow in California. We've already discussed this. But going back to that whole part, like we've seen way worse quarterbacks in a Super Bowl situation because one or two teams had 
you know, traumatic injuries that took some of their key guys out. I don't think the Rams are too far. Yeah, exactly. I don't think the Rams are that far away from a situation like that. Like if the Bucs and Green Bay Packers had devastating injuries to their quarterbacks, you can't say that the Rams aren't in the game still. Once again, nobody is discounting and saying that the Lions as an organization didn't help Stafford out. We're just saying Stafford didn't help himself out. Yes or no? True or false? Numbers never lie. Just being honest. Um, good right. news, though. Eh, maybe not good news, but we, we talked about Lamar and the victory that they got um, over Kansas City Sunday night, week two. And actually, for me, the most moving part of that game happened before the opening kickoff. And I thought this said a lot about the city of Baltimore, the organization of the Ravens. Um, we, we discussed earlier two weeks ago, Labor Day weekend, Michael K. Williams um, mm-hmm. was found uh, from a drug overdose. He tragically passed away in Brooklyn. He, his iconic character was Omar in The Wire, which was set in Baltimore. Before the Ravens game, they, they played that tribute whistle that he had. <laughs> And to see the crowd go crazy, that that actually meant something to me because, like, you always want to think you leave a mark on someone. In life, you think, okay, I leave a mark on my friends, my family, my, my children. But to see after his tragic death, the mark he left on the city of Baltimore, a city he never lived in. He's from New York, New Jersey, Tri-State. But he played a character that was based in Baltimore. That show was such a part of that community that they had respect for him in that show. I thought that was a special moment. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to think, though, like from like a pop culture standpoint, you know, The Wire probably is one of the biggest things that's ever happened to that city, right? I mean, that and Francis Scott Key writing The Star Spangled Banner. That's God, literally the only reason Baltimore is. Yeah, so Damn, he like that. he actually wrote it when the bombs were bombing over Baltimore and stuff. Yeah, he was. Why well, I know that right? when he wrote it, I have no clue. Huh? Wasn't he in prison or something like that? He was in prison yeah. somewhere and was writing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, know but Baltimore, he wrote it like in Baltimore. Facts. It's strong. <laughs> but you're right. Like Baltimore has no discern. Here's the discerning things about Maryland. Okay, a they love their flag all over their state. Blue crabs, which are something that I've never had, but that's uniquely indigenous to Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. Oh, the wire was there. Francis Scott Key wrote the national anthem there. Um, and I'm going there this weekend. That's all I got for Baltimore. Okay. What's up, Rob Green? Shout out, Rob. We're going to see him. My little brother's getting married, too. I'm old as shit that my little brother is getting married. But uh, he's getting married in Baltimore. So I'm going down there for that. But, but back to the original thing. How dope is that, though? Like, no, you for do sure. something. Your work is so respected by our community. And once again, he portrayed a drug dealer who was jacking people. That was his character. But Baltimore uniquely understands the struggle that that city has had with policing, with the infestation of drugs and opiates, with crime, that even in that, they can watch the show, appreciate the show for what it is, and appreciate the character, good and bad, what he meant and what he showed to that side of Baltimore. I right. thought that showed nuance and level from a fan base and from a city that we never see. No, I totally love that too. And for, you know, anybody listening that hasn't watched The Wire, 
you know, me growing up, Sopranos was the greatest thing. You could never push me off that. And it was just crazy. And it wasn't just me. A lot of people didn't watch The Wire when it was actually on HBO. Most people after the fact, whether it was streaming services or bought DVD sets after the fact, but they had way more viewership after the show was on than when it was on. That show is five seasons. Each season has a theme that kind of breaks down the politics within, you know, within a big city like Baltimore that's, you know, dealing with all the issues that you just laid out. You know, season one's about the police department. Season two is, you know, a lot of people think it's about, um, about unions and kind of these, these shoremen, whatever, but it's really about white privilege and crime if you look at it a different way. You know, and then it's journalism, it's politics, school system. That was my but favorite is, season, season three, yeah. when they did journalism. And the yep. favorite line of that was, we have to do more with less. They yep. were referencing the Baltimore Sun and the dwindling down of coverage of newspaper beat writers. And they kept saying, we just have to do more with less. We just have to do more with less. That trend has and, never slowed down. And working in journalism, that to your credit, right? Like every journalistic outlet today, we're taping this on September 22nd, 2021, is doing more with less. Yeah. And that show, that particular season aired in the early 2000s. It was- as, Yeah, I'd as, say 2005. As prescient and as timely then as it is today. I, I, the education system, like well, The Wire is a great show, but digress, that was super dope. Go look it up on social media if you miss that. I had a chance on Monday night to watch the Peyton and Eli broadcast. Have you watched that yet? So I watched, I kind of like skimmed through, I think somebody threw it up on YouTube after last week, like the 10 best moments from like week one. I was not feeling it at all. But everything I read on Reddit after uh, Monday night this week, the second week, was that it was a lot better. A lot of people were really applauding it. And I think it jumped from 800,000 week one to 1.75 million week two. So I didn't see week two yet. Yeah. And see week two yet but a lot of people were really applauding it sounded like they got a lot better also heard a lot of people just like clowning on eli hard which that doesn't surprise me little backstory about all of this which i just found out because i only watched week two week one i forgot it was happening so that's why you saw the jump in week two is because people saw all the responses after that week one game and like oh i gotta remember to watch it next mm-hmm. week peyton has his own production company omaha productions so Peyton has started his own production company. He does, you know, LeBron James has his own production company. Late great Kobe Bryant had his own production company. Athletes now are saying, if we're going to do something, we're going to get two checks. We're going to get the production check and we're going to get the on-air check. Um, so Peyton has that. That's why Eli's involved, basically. Peyton got Eli a job. Nepotism. Been getting people paid for decades. Ain't about to stop. Mm-hmm. So like... Eli's not that good at it. Peyton's great at it. I love that they bring in like that Russell last week, Grunk this week, Pat McAfee this past week. There are moments when it drags, right? Like not because it's typically what I do, but like you need someone to move the show along. That's what a host does. Yeah. I'll have to check it out, but uh, yeah, it's good that people are starting to gravitate towards a little bit more. Peyton's a gem. When he's on, he's on. He really is. I don't care what anybody says. Go back to his old Saturday Night Live hosting from like 2007, 2008. There are a handful of skits in there that are still better than half the stuff they put on SNL today. I mean, cussing out the kid and hitting him in the head with the football. Is still the best <laughs> yeah. thing ever, right? United Way one. Yeah, that was a yeah, great Yeah, that skit. was hilarious. Uh, speaking of United Way and giving back, 
Shout out BetMGM. And we're being super nice to y'all because we want y'all to pay us. <laughs> we want you, we, we want to work with BetMGM because they're giving out checks for no damn reason. Did you see on social media? It was really, it was, wasn't just there, it was everywhere. So this better had a $25 bet. He bet on 16 games last week. On Sunday, he had 15 of them correct. So a 16-team parlay, which is like virtually unheard of. He hit 15 on Sunday. He bet the Detroit Lions to beat the Green Bay Packers, which we all know that shit was not about to happen. But if he would have won it, that $25 bet would have turned into $736,000. So, of course, what happened? Detroit lost. In theory, he should get no money. The good folks over at Bad MGM say, you know what, man? Well, actually, let me let me back it up. A lot of people were saying, so what happens typically when you have a massive parlay like this or a massive underdog is about to cash out big, the person or the entity from which you, you place the bet will come to you and say, look, instead of us taking this loss, we will just pay you right now, still a substantial amount of money, but not the full amount. We'll pay you now mm-hmm. and we'll just call it, you know, call it over. Basically, basically cashing you out for the 15 that you got instead of the full 16 so that they can try and mitigate their losses. Exactly. So what happened? People were like, yo, you should cash out now. You got 15. Lions are not going to beat the Packers. Cash out. No one ever heard anything. We know what happened. Lions lost badly to the Packers. Mm-hmm. So in theory, he went from potentially turning $25 into 736 to losing 25. Fast forward to Wednesday. Bet MGM comes and says they actually gifted the, the mysterious better $133,000 because he went 15 and one in week two parlay. So the reason why he was unable to cash out early, the $25, if you look at all these commercials, they say, hey, look, come bet for free. We'll give you $25 to play with. That's mm-hmm. what he played with. He played with the promotion. So literally, money, baby. he turned zero into 133K. I got to find this dude or this woman, this they, whatever gender pronoun they want. I got to find them. <laughs> got to learn from them. How the hell did yeah. you get 15 teams right? All right. Well, if somebody in California, the, the app doesn't work in California. I can't do any of this. Parlay betting is probably my second favorite thing to do in this life, except for eat pizza and wings. So like, you 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 just hurting my heart right now. I feel like we just got to transition to something else since I can't partake. Honestly, after he hit that, I almost took the uh, uh, I almost made a run last actually yesterday. Um, almost made a run to Jersey because Jersey's like sports betting is legal the minute my phone pings the cell phone tower in Hoboken. So like mm. I'm seriously about to like just go over there and just put it down, right? Like it's I got that MGM on the app and I'm ready to ride. And Bro, I, I would. I would just head to to Jersey on Sunday, get a coffee and some donuts or some shit, and then take it right back. So the thing that irritates me, you know, there's there's little nuances to every city. Like I make fun of LA because there's a traffic and you can never get anywhere quickly and Ubers suck. New York City, there's traffic, Ubers are okay. But like going three miles is like an all-day affair. I live literally four miles from Jersey and I stay on the east side of Manhattan. But the act of getting there is so damn hard. It takes like an hour to get like four miles. Yeah, man. New York and LA, this bullshit traffic. Y'all, y'all knew more people were moving here. Figure it out. This is getting old, man. 
I'm not yeah. set to live my life sitting in traffic every day. Before we get off the NFL, though, Andy Dalton, Tua Tungavaloa, Tyrod Taylor, all out week three. Adjust your bets, adjust your fantasy. Speaking of, how's your fantasy going? Your fantasy of other men in sports, how's that going? <laughs> I'm good. I'm 2-0 oh in one league, 1-1 one and one in the other. The league that I lost one in, the other guy just had one of those crazy weeks where like three or four guys on his team had probably the biggest weeks that they'll have. I'm not stressing. I'm feeling good. I was prepared. Proper preparation prevents poor performance, and my squads are looking great. Ben Roethlisberger, once again, has a pectoral injury. We'll see what he does this, later this week. Only thing that stands out to me about the injuries, A, you're losing three starting quarterbacks in week three. That sucks. That's a bit scary. Uh, Tyrod Taylor not there for Houston. Houston, trash. And now my Panthers are playing on Thursday night. Makes me wish I still lived in Texas to go to the game to celebrate a massive win for the soon-to-be 3-0 Panthers. Uh, but, yeah, three major quarterbacks, three starting quarterbacks in the National Football League out already due to injury. Mm -hmm. that's, that's not a good trend. We'll see if they can mitigate that going forward. To the National Basketball Association. Your boy. You know how this goes. Every time somebody acts stupid, it's your boy. <laughs> ben Simmons back in the news. And Doc Rivers, for that matter. I'm going to let you have this story. Go ahead, bro. What, 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 how do you fix this shit? How about that? I mean, I don't know if you can. Uh, you know, you and I were talking offline a little bit this morning. So it's like, it's been three months since they've been eliminated from the playoffs. And, you know, one of the last interviews we had with Doc and with a lot of the Sixers was, you know, it seemed like they were pretty low on Ben, that they didn't think he was the guy to move forward with. You know, if I'm not mistaken, I think the question that Doc specifically got was, do you think Ben Simmons is a championship caliber point guard? His response was, I don't know, or something along those lines. And just as of today, he finally clears the air on that, that he wasn't saying, I don't know to whether he has that caliber, but more so I don't know how to answer that question. It feels like a lot of space and time in between that to just be clarifying that right now. This situation seems completely lost. You know, I, I like Ben Simmons in a lot of areas. I've said this before on the show. I always knew that he was not going to be a dominant scorer, that he couldn't be your number one guy. He showed that at LSU, even when he still had confidence as a scorer. Never able to take a game over. Didn't even get them in the NCAA tournament. Like, those should be red flags for you right there. This is done, man. He just, you know, I think he's going to struggle with scoring. I think this is going to be, you know, the precipice of his career, either – He's going to come out of this. He'll never be the same. He's going to be Chuck Knobloch of the NBA for the rest of his life, or he's going to come out of this uncomfortable, figure out how to get that mom mentality going. Chuck Knobloch win a World Series with the Yankees at one point, though? I think he did, but I don't know if that was before he had the yips or whatever. I mean, his whole thing is he just couldn't throw from second to first, which, Look, I mean, bro. you could still be an effective baseball player and, and not be – I mean, a lot of times you could walk the ball over from second to first if you need to. But, yeah, I mean, Ben – that relationship soured. I don't think they're going to make it back from that. I think at this point, it's just more so what can Daryl Morey get back for Ben? You know, is he going to be able to get a Damian Lillard or somebody of that caliber? Because they're not looking to Two pair NBA socks and a Gatorade water bottle. That's all they deserve for Ben Simmons. And I'm not talking about yeah. new NBA socks, some used NBA socks. Used NBA socks, Pop-Tart, and a scratch, Girls Gone Wild DVD. Ooh. Ooh, Girls Gone Wild. I haven't heard that. That's a solid reference right there. I appreciate it. That's a good one. That's a good one. I give you credit on that one. Golf clap. Um, <laughs> imagine being a D minus individual at your job and your job begging you to come back. 
Seriously, like that's what Ben Simmons is. And I can be aggressive, right? Like he's not a D minus. He's a three-time All-Star. All-Star is a popularity contest. He was dating a Kendall Jenner. Boom. Myth busted. He is not good at his job. But yet his employer has to beg and try to appease him to come back. And keep in mind, he has no other job lined up. It ain't like he came in there with Rich Paul, who's his agent, and said, look, boom, hey, Houston Rockets, ready to give you John Wall for me. Let's do this. No. So imagine that, listeners. You suck at your job. You have no other job lined up. You say, yo, F y'all, I'm not coming to work. And they begging you to come to work. I mean, the reality is amazing, bro. That's amazing. It is. The reality is he still owed $150 million and there's a lot of teams desperate for a player like Ben Simmons. He's a 6'10 guard who can basically guard the one through four position. He's an amazing defender. I mean, I think the one thing that Doc said during the Jay Will, Keyshawn, Max show this morning was like, people don't realize, like, look at, uh, shoot, why am I playing it? Trey Young. Trey Young. Look at Trey yeah. Young. Yeah, look at his shooting stats throughout that series. Like, he really struggled when Ben was guarding him. And I believe that. Ben is a great defender. Yeah, he's 6'10", guarding freaking yeah, a 6'1", dude. Be. Of course he he's going to struggle. So his value's still there, <laughs> but you just have to, you know, what are your expectations? This guy is not going to be a 20-point scorer at any point during this league. And if he gets you 20 points, guarantee eight but of that's what you got to do within three feet of the This NBA. Like, you, yeah. you can't not score. When the ball's in your hand, you can't not score. Not in today's NBA. That shit worked back, you know, when Zeke was back there running and Joe Zumars was running point and giving the ball to Zeke and Land Beer. We ain't going mm-hmm. back to that, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, you got to figure this out. I, honestly, I, I don't know if the Philly's going to bite the bullet and get substantially less than market value for him. He can say he's not coming, and everyone has a number to which they're like, I don't care. I won't pay a fine. Oh, I'll pay the fine. I'm not going to show up. And then eventually, yeah, you lose enough money, you do show up to work. We'll see what yeah. happens with Ben Simmons. But I just thought that was interesting that he came out, said he wasn't going. Doc is trying to get in front of this by going on ESPN, talking about we want Ben back. And I'm just sitting there like, man, I genuinely wish I could suck at my job and they beg me to come to work. Calls. Ben Simmons, the Australian, is living the American dream. I'll be damned. She belongs to the streets. All right, so we, we, we posed this question you know, a couple of weeks back. What you heard from the streets. We bring topics, stories, ideas, things to y'all. And we want to hear from y'all about it. And I got this on DM a couple of weeks back. Uh, Ruben, Naptown. He uh, chimed in with Rube. this, right? So, like, we've all seen, and ladies, I, I've been looking at the metrics. We appreciate our, our listenership with the ladies has grown. We're at, like, 50% young women listening to this show, Brandon. Ladies, we it's love good. you. We cherish you. We appreciate you. Uh, back to what you heard from the streets. Rube hit me up. And, uh, you know, the crux of the story was this. Megan Thee Stallion was on the red carpet at the Met Gala. Megan Thee Stallion, beautiful woman, tall woman. She was wearing a pair of shoes, like three sizes too small. Doing the whole, like, feet, toes over the edge, like talons thing. And I was like, well, okay, well, damn, you know, she, you, you rich, right? Like you're, you're no ladies. Once again, we appreciate you for listening. No guy cares if you're a size nine or 10 shoe. If you got big feet, wait, wear the shoes. We don't like to see your toes hanging over. So then 
Rube came back with this, B. He sent pictures of women wearing shoes too small and said, I cannot trust a woman who don't know how to get shoes that fit their feet. <laughs> well, in all fairness, they don't really keep those, like, shoe size things at sneaker stores anymore. So maybe people No, we're not talking about really sneakers, know. B. We're not talking about sneakers. We're talking about, like, dress shoes. I was, trying, I was trying to help her out. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. I see people do that all the time, too. I don't really get it. Like, your feet ain't grow three sizes in the last year. So just buy the shoes that fit you. To your point, none of us really care. Once again, once you heard from the streets, we bring it to you how y'all bring it to us. I appreciate you, Rube, checking in from Naptown. Y'all got something? DMs is open. Mr. Pressure. Brando 03. Jason Smells. No 03. Just Mr. Brando 3. Mr. Brando 3. Mr. Brando 3. The other two are jerks. Don't follow them. <laughs> uh, so, like... <laughs> You bring it to us, we bring it right back to y'all. Y'all think about that. Y'all marinate on it for a minute. Dudes, would you all date a woman if she was habitually unable to get shoes that fit? Is that trust issues right there? Are you like, you don't trust your feet, so I can't trust you? Ladies, mm. we appreciate you listening. What is it about the inability to get shoes that fit? We want to hear it. Hit us up. DM's open. Sticking DM's with the open. culture... It leave us leave us a voice note we'll even try and throw it on the show if, if you send us a voice note so we can you know people can hear you who are you can get a little a little airtime yeah get the airtime matter of fact get riled up too we want to hear all that um sticking yeah. with shoes sticking with culture billy eilish uh did a collab with jordan eh, i'm kind of on billy eilish like i don't get it but once again i understand my age demographic that is not for me to get i don't hate the shoes though like the colorways of the shoes you can't stand them I, I like the AJ. Them. I like the AJKO ones just because I like AJKO ones in general. Like, are these something you know? For example, like I have some really good relationships over at Dinner Scope. I'm not reaching out to try and get these for free. I'm not stressing it like that. But they're cool. They're not bad. It's just all the storytelling with celebrities and stuff. It's just super played out. Like, I'm sorry. You know, there's things going on in China right now where they're like government is literally starting to regulate how companies companies work with influencers because they're realizing like their youth is just wasting their money supporting these people all the time and it's become very toxic to their culture look i'm not trying to turn into china obviously their government over well gee i don't know if i should be saying all this but whatever yeah, like, i think look, we all bro, feel we, like we, we we do not have the smoke to be dealing with the communist regime right now <laughs> but you know what i'm saying so anyways it's just kind of interesting and i think it's something you know us as society we got to start considering a little bit more of it like we're asking i just it's it's wild to me like all these celebrities are rooted in sustainability and good causes and stuff but you're penning all these partnership deals and begging people for money to buy this stuff that they don't need like you see the contradiction and it's yeah just no too I, much. I agree and, with you wholeheartedly right like we both live in two cities where it's like ultra ultra to the 10th degree consumer culture mm -hmm. and although you may have just bought something new you have to have the newest thing. And it's like, do you do you know how long a cotton t-shirt actually lasts? Like four years, right? Like just a cotton t-shirt that yeah, lasts like 30 years, bro. Like wash it. Now you gotta wash it with some legitimate washing detergent. Don't be buying the cheap stuff now. But you buy Tide, you buy Gain, and you just wash it and dry it, it will last. I literally still have t-shirts. I have a t-shirt right now that I got from freshman orientation of college, and that was 2001. So 20 years, not a nail, not a hole in it. And I'll wear that shit. That's love. That's in the care right there. You, it, bro, I just wash it, dry it. So like sustainability is fantastic. It's a buzzword. 
but people aren't being sustainable. My bigger thought about this was, okay, so Jordan Brand's iconic brand in itself, right? Like we understand now it's sponsoring teams, whether it's the Hornets, uh, whether it's Paris St. Germain, those make sense. But when you start seeing Jordan Brand doing collaborations with Travis Scott, makes no damn sense. Billy Eilish makes no damn sense. Is this where we are with brands where it's much like with media, we just want to get our stuff on whoever the it person is right now. Next year, we're going to do the same damn thing to whoever that it person is. So yeah. then do you water down the brand because now the brand is clout chasing? I think that's exactly what everybody's doing. I think it's, you know, it's a strategy of probably about 80, 90% of it just being your top tier big names. And then they try and justify it with the other 10, 20% around local storytellers who don't have colossal followings, but that's just an excuse to get more content at a super, super cheap price point because you know a lot of those people aren't in positions to ask for five, 10, $15,000 checks. They might get $500 if they're lucky. Nah, Jordan Brand ain't doing a $500 deal. Come on now. Right, yeah, they excessive. are. No. Seriously? Yeah, 100%. Okay, so Jordan Brand, we would gladly appreciate your sponsorship of what you heard. I will, matter of fact, I'm about to put some Jordans on right now. So appreciate y'all on this check. No, dude, 100%. I mean, I definitely have friends who have been on the sneakers app. So, like, they'll do, like, content series, like, video series, maybe once or twice a week around, like, local influencers. I know what they get paid. They ain't getting more than a couple hundred bucks to do stuff like that. Like, you know, they reserve the big dollars for the big people. And then it's more of a, if you're a micro-influencer, like, you should be lucky that you were invited to the party and yeah, we'll give you a couple of dollars because ethically we need to do something like that. I mean, that speaks to the greater thing, right? Like everyone reads a Forbes article, CNBC, they put things out this week talking about influencers all cashing in $100,000, $500,000. So a lot of people would go into influencing, seeing that as a get rich, relatively quick scheme. It's a lot of work posting pictures about your life all the time. But just like everything else, what you're seeing on their Instagram feed is not really how they're living. So these companies are to their credit, understanding, look, you want to portray a certain lifestyle, we'll give you a pair of shoes for free. We don't really care. But a $500 check, yeah, go get a real job. Right. And so that's just, that's just sadly to say um, where it is. Don't believe anything you see. I always think of the Jay-Z line from Ignorant Shit. Uh, that was the name of his song. He was like, everything said in song, you happen to see. They'd actually believe half of what you see None of what you hear, even if it's spat by me. So even yeah. Jay-Z is telling you, like, look, I'm saying some of this stuff. I ain't living it. A lot of people posting this stuff, they ain't living it. And so don't get caught up in the uh, the sauce. Don't get caught up in the lie. The facades. And, and yeah, well, uh, that's actually, I didn't know they were cutting $500 checks. That's, some, that's wild. That is wild. I did not know that at all. Um, we're starting to get towards the end of the show. We, we Once again, we appreciate y'all. We got some news to break. We had the L.A. edition last week, and I'll be damned if Brandon ain't coming out to New York next week. Yeah, you excited 10-5, for the trip, baby. I am. Nope. We got a. I can't announce what it is yet. Probably talking about it on the next episode. But yeah, I'll be there for about a day or two, and yeah, it'd be nice. I haven't traveled for work like this in a minute. So the L.A. episode coming soon. This episode's over now. As always, you like it, like it, you love it, love it. Put your people on so they can do what? Put they people on. Thank y'all for listening. We'll check y'all back again next week. Damn it, my little brother's getting Peace. Peace.